Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. We have been in the middle of an altar series that has been mind-blowing, to say the least. I hope every one of us has been challenged. I hope every one of us has been brought to a place of new uh, dedication, consecration, a place where we can be, we can allow uh, Jesus to just burn off all of that that doesn't benefit us, that doesn't move us towards him, move us towards each other, move us towards ourselves. You know, it can get really complicated in this world and it can get really just confusing. But keeping that altar unto the Lord is really primary. We have to be doing that on an ongoing basis. And so I appreciate every message. I've been getting to review them because in prepping for this message. So that's been wonderful. We're going to start with Matthew 5, 1 through 6. I felt the Lord putting this on my heart for today. And so I'll just begin to read. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for, those, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a fresh filling. A fresh filling. Because we can't just be filled one time. Right? Do we understand that we cannot just be filled one time? This is not a one and done kind of a filling. This is a being filled and being filled and being filled and being filled. And so I am here today to talk to you about how to be filled. Amen? Can you put up that next image there? Okay. Here's the way that I believe that we need to be filled. Filling comes through encountering Jesus through encounters with Jesus, multiple, multiple encounters with Jesus. And can you raise your hand if you've ever had an encounter with Jesus? Wow, that's awesome. Some of you might not have ever had an encounter with Jesus. And I, I will just let you know that we'll have an invitation for you to have an encounter with Jesus before today is through because life... <laughs> It's not possible. Good life is not possible without an encounter with Jesus. It's so critical. So can we just turn our hearts toward heaven? We're going to ask for a fresh filling today. Amen? I'm just going to hold my hand up like this, and I invite you to do the same. If you want a fresh filling from the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we want to encounter you today because we need you today. We need you today, Holy Spirit. We turn our hearts towards you. 
we turn, we turn our affection towards you. We bring you all the brokenness. We bring you all the fears, all the doubts, all the unbelief, all the hurts, all the frustrations, all of our weariness. We lay it at your feet and we ask you to fill our cups afresh and anew. Fill our cups, Lord. Just say that out loud. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill my cup to overflowing today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Now just pour that cup over your head as an act of faith. Holy Spirit just pouring a fresh filling over us. Amen. Okay. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. To be filled, we must encounter the righteousness of Jesus. In fact, we must encounter righteousness himself, which is Jesus. He is Jesus. I love the chosen. I just can't. I think Jesus on the chosen is going to be my Jesus until I meet Jesus really face to face. I feel kind of sad for him because I feel like after this, I mean, there's no, you know, it's going down. For, I mean, there's, no, there's nowhere else to go from there. It's just Jesus. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we need to meet Jesus. And... I'm going to read a little thing from Oswald Chambers. I love Oswald Chambers. Uh, he wrote, the, his most popular book you might know of is My Utmost for His Highest. It's a devotional. It's like 365-page devotional with uh, amazing, challenging uh, excerpts in it. I think his wife put together all of his books. She's the unsung hero there. Um, but this book is called If You Will Ask. Are any of you familiar with this little book? It's a very small prayer book, but I love this book. In it, he says, It is not cowardly to pray when we are out at our wit's end. It is the only way to get in touch with reality. If we are self-sufficient and complacent, we don't need to ask God for anything. We don't want him. It is only when we know we are powerless that we are prepared to listen to Jesus Christ and do what he says. Amen? That is so true. I think that going through life, we experience and we encounter suffering, right? And it's very easy for Christians to kind of go, well, if God's a good, or anybody, to just kind of run through that. When you're suffering, it hurts, right? The Bible says no discipline is fun, but painful at the time, but it produces in us righteousness. It, it produces good thing in us, but it's not fun when you're going through it. And, it, and it, it's tempting to just think, oh, this is just um, the devil attacking me, maybe. Yeah, might be the devil attacking you. But I think that the more mature perspective is to ask the Lord what he's doing in me in that, in that suffering. Because that's the thing, is that when we're in suffering, we, em we are emptied of our own self-sufficiency. And I truly believe that we will take care of ourselves as much as we can. And then when we can't anymore, now we can step aside and we can press in. And that is really how we come to the place of knowing what, knowing the true um, 
filling of the Holy Spirit is because we are empty and we come to that place of recognition that we can't do it alone. Um, I want to tell you a story of a woman, um, and this is a story of desperation. In Mark 5, 25 through 34, and we're going to read a lot of scripture today because that is what I felt to do. So stay with me. Mark 5, 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered with a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Before she had thought to herself, if only I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed from her terrible condition. And Jesus realized that um, once that healing power had gone out of him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look, the crowds are pressing in all around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Wow. This woman was isolated, you guys, for 12 long suffering years. I mean, we felt like we were isolated when they made us hunker down. When they closed the restaurants, we're like, no restaurants? (laughs) This lady was not eating at the restaurants, okay? This lady was isolated. In that day, she was unclean. In that day, she couldn't even have company with her family. She was also broke, the Bible says here. She was broke. She had spent everything she had. Who knows what she had to begin with, but we know that she had no, she had done everything. She was weak, okay? She had been bleeding for 12 years. She was anemic, and she was weak. She wasn't strong. She was afraid. She came trembling. She came trembling. She was desperate. But she had one thing. She had faith, okay? (laughs) Without which it's impossible to please God, by the way. And what's really cool about this is that she didn't have perfect faith, okay? So if any of you were like me and had to, to sort of like process through, like if I don't have faith for it, I won't get it, let's just let that one go right now because we don't have to have perfect faith, right? Thank God, or we wouldn't ever have anything from the Lord if any of us ever 
ever had to have perfect faith. <laughs> Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea. Okay? As a mustard seed, which means it's a little bit of faith that you plant and the plant grows. Okay? So she had a little, she had faith. It wasn't perfect. She thought, I'm going to sneak a healing from Jesus. <laughs> okay? I'm just going to slip in, slip out, and I'll, we'll just see what happens. <laughs> That's kind of hilarious. I could see myself doing that. That way, I don't have to say it, that I'm planning on doing it, and then, then if it doesn't work, no one will ever know, right? How many of us can admit we've had faith like that? We didn't want to say anything about it because, you know, we just want to reserve our, you know, self-respect afterwards. If it doesn't happen, we don't look like it wasn't our fault. The other thing is that she wanted to touch the tassels of his robe. And that was a little bit of a superstition, actually. The tassels didn't hold the power of God, but they were thought to by some people. But it's so funny and so cool because even though she had her theology was a little bit mixed up, uh, Jesus loved that. I will tell you why. Because faith attracts the, the presence of God and the power of God and the favor of God. Any kind of faith, a little bit of faith, any little audacity to do anything. She took action, didn't she? She didn't just sit there. She actually took action. She stepped forward. She had to press in. She was tired, you guys. You know, he was in a crowd of people. Bible actually says he was like, it was like a suffocating crowd. He was being suffocated in this. She could have been trampled by a stampede of seekers. He was also on his way to do something else. She was like, uh, excuse me, can I interrupt you? You're, I know you're going to go uh, attend to this person who's at death's door. I may not be at death's door, but I'm suffering. No, she didn't. She pressed in. She pressed in to receive what she could from Jesus. I love what, uh, what Jesus said. He said, daughter... Your faith has healed you. This final command really translates into go in peace. This really meant that she not only received physical healing, but it also meant that she received salvation. She actually received salvation, the kind that we get through the, the, the cross. And the word they use here that um, when Jesus says, who touched me, that word is actually hapto, Sounds like have to to me, okay? He's like, have to. You know what it means? Who clung to me with their whole being in unwavering faith? That's what that means. Who clung to me and held on to me with their whole being in unwavering faith? Do you think she really had unwavering faith? I don't know. It was enough to receive her healing. And she was filled. Why? Because she hungered and thirsted for righteousness 
and she was filled. Guys, read the Beatitudes. Read that Sermon on the Mount when you are feeling discouraged. Blessed are you when you fill in the blank. And read the promise when you lean in, away from the circumstances and into Jesus. There's another woman I want to talk to you about. And this is a story of restored hope. Jesus is in the business of restoring hope, people. If there's anyone out there that feels hopeless, just listen with your heart. John 4, 1 through 30. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining uh, and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had gone through Samaria, and so he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Lots of history here. And Jesus was tired, and he was tired from his journey, and he sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Noon o'clock, where everyone wants to eat. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Okay, pause. A Samaritan woman, number one, she's a woman. He's alone at the well, and here comes a woman who's alone. In this culture, that was kind of like, you know, risque. He would not have asked her for anything, and he would not have even spoken with her because she was purely just because she was a woman. Regardless of what kind of woman she was, she was a woman. So notice that one thing. The second thing I want us to notice in this is that she was a Samaritan woman. She was basically, as the Jewish people very much prided themselves in their Jewishness, she was a half, you know, she was like mixed. And so she was not looked at as equal value as the Jews. And so... She knew this. It was very, very in, ingrained in their culture to know her place, okay? So she knew. So when he asked her a question, she was kind of like, what? Okay, so that's the picture. So he asked her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said uh, to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with, associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who was asking it of you, you would ask for a drink. And, or asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Wow. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw draw with, and this well is deep. Well, that was a little bit of a change of subject. He was like, um, well, you don't have anything to draw with. Where can you get living water from? Are you greater than our father Jacob, 
who gave us this well and drank it from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Wow, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here and drawing this water. I think it's cool because in The Chosen, she had to go a really far way to get water because she wasn't allowed to go get water in the town because she was uh, outcasted. So she had walked a long way to get this water. So she's kind of, I don't know, I wonder if there's a little attitude in there like, well, give me some of that, you know. <laughs> That's just what I, it could be. This is what preachers do. They get licensed, you know. They're like, yeah, the fairy dust. I know you do that, Zach. <laughs> Watch me take my liberties here. Okay, could be that she had a little attitude, not saying that she did. I might have a little attitude. That's where it's really coming from. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. You want a drink? <laughs> Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands. Mm. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and is now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father and Spirit in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Well, she was prophesying. She was prophesying. I don't see Jesus doing this before this. Maybe this is the first time he ever actually said, I am he. Jesus said, I, the one who's speaking to you, am he. Wow. Has he not been with the disciples and the chosen ones all this time? He just decided to spill the beans to a Samaritan woman. What? I'll tell you, Jesus will blow everything you have thought out of the water. He will exceed your expectations every time, and you cannot put him in a box. Part of the reason 
that he made everyone so nervous because he came to upset the status quo. Amen? Wow. Yeah. He's still doing it. Just then, at that very moment, the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, uh, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her, I'm surprised that Simon Peter didn't say that because usually he has something to say about every situation. (laughs) Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way towards him. I love this story. I know that's a lot of scripture to read, but that is a powerful, powerful story. A story of hope restored. Okay? A couple of things I want us to notice about this. She had no hope. No hope. Okay? She did not come to meet Jesus. She did not press in like our, our last Example, our last story. She wasn't that person that was just like, I'm pressing, I'm pressing. No, not at all. She had five failed romantic relationships that we know of. We don't know if she even had a friend. She was so isolated. And of that, we know they have in common. They were isolated And she was filled with shame, okay? All that failure. She also had a second-class mentality. She knew she was a second-class citizen in this scenario and in pretty much every scenario in her life. Being a woman and being and failing at so many marriages and who knows how many of those were like casted her off. Do you know what I'm saying? I am not certain a woman could divorce a man. I'm guessing that she was rejected five separate times by men. And Jesus encountered her. In fact, he found her, didn't he? And maybe he even stopped at that well just because he knew she was coming. Probably so. He saw her, he saw her when she was invisible and no one saw her. He saw her. And that encounter changed everything for her. He took her shame, he empowered her. Guess what, he gave her back her boldness. Because it says she went back into the town, and she started preaching and, t- and telling people, testifying, testifying, testimony, people. Testimony. Come and, t- come and see the man who told me, like, everything I ever did. They're probably like, whoa. <laughs> I, and he wanted to talk to you? Mm. How critical we are. How judgmental. Help us, Lord. We need an encounter with Jesus. 
If we want change, if we want change in our attitudes, guys, we want change in our circumstances, we need Jesus. We need encounters with Jesus. It's part of the reason we are commanded not to forsake the fellowship, not to forsake the gathering together of the saints, because we need Jesus. We need to be encountering him, and his body helps facilitate that. Okay, we don't need it to encounter him, but it is a facilitation. It is a, a, a point of contact. And, and he also says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. There I am with them. Can you put that slide up, uh, the image? He does not, God does not choose the qualified, but he qualifies the chosen. Can we just think about that for a second? Who in this room, when we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, when the galaxies are out there, when we realize God is so awesome, so powerful, so omnipotent, knows everything we've ever done, thought, imagined, everything. Who feels qualified here? Oh, no one. God doesn't choose the qualified. He qualifies the chosen. And guess what? He's chosen you. What? He's chosen me. What? And he chose this woman right here. And she was blown. Her mind was blown. This is the nature of God. This is the nature of God. So... Don't disqualify what God has qualified. Jesus chose you. Last week, we heard an amazing message by Eleanor Roll about the oil in the lamps. That was one of the, the main passages that she used about the anointing of the Lord and what it costs, okay? First of all, we can't get it without God giving it to us. However, we have a role to play in keeping our lamps full. That's what that whole passage about the virgins and the wedding, it's all about. It's our responsibility and our response, amen, to what Jesus has done in our lives. And so couple of things. Um, I think that many of us have somehow, some way, through some lie, 
allowed ourselves to believe God doesn't need me to do anything or be anything. God doesn't, I'm, I'm somehow disqualifying myself in some way, shape, or form. Or the enemy is coming in through other circumstances like, oh, I missed it. I'm too old. I can't start this now. You know, kind of like, wow, I, I wrecked that marriage. I wrecked, you know, my kids. I messed up my kids too bad. Think about it. Think about it. If you're anything like this woman, she had perfect excuse. We need to break up with fear. That's for me. Is that for you? We need to replace the fear of man with the fear of God. Let's just remember, God is holy. God will require an account of your life, of my life. What we chose to do. Did we choose to bury our talents in the ground? Did we choose to disqualify ourselves? Did we make excuses? A couple of months ago, I guess it was, I don't know, Zach was teaching about altars and he was talking about the generations and the blessing of the generations and how much we need one another. It was so good. If you haven't Listen to all these messages if you've missed them. It started before uh, 2023. Please go back. Listen to these messages. This is so, it is important of where we're going as a house and, and as a body of Christ all throughout the world. God is talking to his people right now. Are you listening? I hope so. So, I think we have one more slide up there. John 15, 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in me using my name. Second, or 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28. Instead, God chose the things of this world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. But God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. I want us to hone in on the word appointed in that first scripture. No one can do your job. Okay? I think we need to repent for walking away. Put that in your mind for a minute because we're going to have an, a time of response. But I think for real, no one can do your job. And I am guilty of going, ah, someone else can do it better. And abdicating and taking breaks, okay? There's no shame 
There's no shame. It's running back. It's turning back. It's called repentance. It's the answer. It's the answer for every one of us in every circumstance because life does beat us up and we get discouraged. Okay, that is so true. We need to be in a position, okay? Because the word appointed, when he says, I appointed you, it really means Jesus chose you, appointed you. It really means you have a position. Imagine you're on a basketball team and you're the point guard. That's a position. That team needs you in that position. Sure, that's a leadership position, but everyone has a position because he says, I have chosen you and I have appointed you. And you know what? It might not make sense to the world around you, but my ways are not your ways. My, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This woman, she didn't think she had anything to offer. She became the first evangelist because God chose her and those that he chooses he appoints and he prepares and he equips and I don't care if your equipping was like mine 19 years at home with preschoolers what's your excuse that is my that is literally my story that's my testimony teaching the least of these awesome before we I ask for a response I just want to share a little bit of my testimony this is my story I was saved at a very young age, four years old. I still remember it. I was cutting shapes out of a little piece of what is otherwise known as cheese. Peel it open, put it on the counter, make all the shapes that you want, and then you get to eat it. And my mom was there. I start I began to ask her about salvation about how do I get saved how do I know Jesus I want to go be in heaven and my mom as ready as she always was wave me mom I love you yeah let's give a hand to my mom She took me upstairs to my bedroom, right then and there, and we knelt beside my bed, and we prayed the sinner's prayer together, and I, it was an altar. It was an altar of remembrance, and I still remember it because I was filled at four years old, and the Lord filled me with his spirit.
And then I had another filling. When I was age seven, I was in a trial. I had the chicken pox. You remember back in the day when you used to get the chicken pox and now you just get the vaccine? <laughs> I had the pox. It was terrible. And I was crying out to the Lord for healing. Crying. And I was, and I do mean crying. Josh cries like this. I cry like I wail. Yes, I really do. <laughs> I was struggling with suffering. And that is the time that God healed me for the very first time. I woke up the next morning, no chicken pox. God miraculously touched me. And that was an altar moment for me. Now I knew God as my savior and I knew God as my healer. What? Testimony, guys, it doesn't get old. It is what it is. It's what's in you. Please don't stop sharing your testimony with people who are dying out there. They're dying. It's not insignificant. It is significant. I remember as a teenager, I remember this vividly. The Lord's been bringing this memory back to me over and over again. I dealt with depression as a teenager. I dealt with an eating disorder as a teenager for probably, I don't know, how long, maybe six or seven years. Um, but I remember probably 1992, Rodney Howard Brown came to town. And the Lord touched me, touched my heart in a way. It came alive. I had an encounter. I encountered God. I encountered Jesus again. I encountered a fresh healing. I encountered him telling me who I was. It empowered me. It empowered me to break up with my boyfriend that it was no good for me. Okay? Part of the reason I was always depressed. That's another story. Okay. He lifted my head. He lifted my head, you guys. And I remember this, this time I was just full of the Lord. I just was full of just, I just knew, I just loved him so much. He, I just felt he loved me. I remember vacuuming of all things pine needles out of my carpet. It was probably Berber. Try to vacuum pine needles out of Berber carpet. It just kind of goes down and not up. Okay. But I was just pouring out to my heart. Here I am once again. I pour out my heart for I know that you hear every cry. You are listening. No matter what state my heart is in, you are faithful to answer with words that are true and a hope that's real. And I feel your touch. You bring a freedom to all that's within. In the safety of this place, I'm longing to pour out my heart. And I was having a moment, it was an altar. And I was doing a chore. But it was an altar. And Holy Spirit met me. And it was real. And it changed me. 
It revived me. And then life just happened. And I got tired again and weary again. And I struggled with this wanting to please the Lord. Always just wanting to please the Lord. That's the theme of my life. I just want to please you, Lord. What can I do for you, Lord? I had a Martha mentality. Big time. Big time. I was 36 years old. I already had six kids. I had three little ones in the home. And I just struggled with my attitude because, you know, I got into feeling kind of sorry for myself and my lot, just to be frank. Anyone ever relate to that? You know? 15 years of being a housewife may do that to you. Um, And I actually dealt with, for a season, the fear that I was losing my salvation. And I remember just being tormented about that because I could, I mean, I'm confused about some scriptures and the enemy just came in and confused me. And I remember just this struggle that I had. And in, during that time, we were invited to go to Bethel. I think one of the people in the church paid for Josh and I to go to, to Bethel, which was experiencing the glory of God and fresh filling, which was awesome. And I went, not really expecting very much. Uh, more like that kind of hopeless feeling of like, well, I'm just going to do this until I die and then I get to go to heaven. Okay? That's where I was at. And in service, in worship, the Lord met me way in the back in a little seat because he found me. In that big crowd, he found me and he saw me and he saw what I was dealing with and struggling with. And the Lord gave me a picture. Imagine. Okay, this is the best I can do. Fräulein Maria. The hills are alive with the sound of music. This is the picture the Lord gave me, okay? But it wasn't Fräulein Maria in a nun dress. It was me. And I was wearing the most beautiful wedding dress. You know? And Jesus came to me on that hill. And you know what Jesus did? He did a motion kind of like this. And he asked me to marry him. And I was undone because in a moment like that, I understood the love of God like I've been trying to memorize my whole life, like I'd heard millions of messages about, okay? I've been in church five ever, not four ever, five ever, every Sunday, probably my whole life. 
I'm 36 years old and finally the Lord puts what I know here, he puts it in here. And that's why I tell people all the time, you can't know nothing without revelation. You can hear it over and over and over again, but you will not know nothing without revelation, okay? So there's no condemnation. Do you hear me? Take a deep breath in. And just let that out for a minute. You can only see what you see. You can only see what you can see. But at just the right time, I believe the Lord will open your eyes to see what he wants you to see. Just like he did for me. Because he loves you and he will find you. And I needed that time of preparation. I needed that time of seeking. I needed that time. And I had an encounter and it was an altar. That was an altar. And I will never forget that. To be honest with you, that changed everything for me. I saw God in a totally different way. I felt about God in a totally different way. I never wondered again if I was saved or if I wasn't saved. Because why? He chose me. He asked me to marry him. And he knows me better than anyone knows me. And he still chose me. I mean, that's awesome. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. But I just am here to say, we need that much more often than we have it. Amen. We need that encounter, you guys. We need that encounter all the time. Because it is easy for us to slip back into our own old ways, our Martha ways. Okay, I'm just going to do this and serve the Lord and, and he'll be proud of me. Guess what? He's already proud. He's already proud. He wants us to get this right now. This is a moment where he wants us to get this. This is a time where he wants to wash over us with his goodness. Do you feel it? He wants to just let it, have us let go of all the things. Even on our to-do list, he's just like, can we just forget that? Let's just hang. Let's hang out together. I have something for you. And you know, he wants our heart. Josh, I'm just going to remind us that Josh spoke, and one of the things that came up for me is he added, our, our gratitude um, attracts the presence of God. And we need the presence of God. We need encounter with Jesus because our encounter with Jesus will change everything for us. Zach preached a message, and he said, do the last thing God told him. Do the last thing I told you to do, Zach. Do that. Because a lot of us are asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this is in, in, the, in the context of obeying, okay? Because obedience also pleases the Lord. Because especially when he's already told us what to do, you know, and we haven't done it. So 
obedience. Dedication makes way for habitation. You mentioned that again today. And then Karen prophesied an exhortation a few weeks ago that was on the mark. And she said, close the door to offense because it is a trap. These are things that can keep us from being refilled. These are things that can keep us from encounters with Christ because we're choosing offense. Remember, suffering. Okay, remember, we have to come to the end of ourselves. Then we get that encounter. We have to be at the end of ourselves. And then I shared my testimony from a few few weeks before. And like me, has your heart turned, your heart's hurts turned into resentments? Have they blinded you? Okay. That's okay. Repent. Repent. Turn again towards the Lord. Eleanor prophesied, purchase the oil through times in his presence and the anointing will cost you your life. Which means your time, your resources, your talents. So today, I'd like you to just close your eyes. The Lord knows where you're at right where you're at. Nobody else knows and nobody else matters. But right now, I'm going to invite you to return to your first love and be filled with uh, His presence again. There's nothing, nothing, nothing like the love of God. There's no safer, better place than that. Nothing can compare. Nothing else will satisfy you. I'm going to invite you to seek wholeheartedly after the one who loves you best. I'm going to invite you to set your love and affection on him and choose him again. In Revelations 2, 3 through 5, it says, Jesus is... uh, gone at this point just keep your eyes closed John is exiled possibly his last remaining disciple and he's speaking to the churches uh, through this he's getting an encounter with (laughs) angelic forces and, and he's seeing this revelation and so he says to the church at Ephesus, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't, if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Guys, 
how are we filled again? How are we filled fresh again? It is by returning to our first love. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer of repentance, okay? Because repentance is the key to unlocking a fresh filling. I really believe this. This is a moment. This is going to be a moment for you if you are willing to see that. Jesus. I'm desperate for you. I need a fresh filling. I need my eyes to see. I need my ears to hear. I need Holy Spirit to be right next to me. I don't know where to go. I don't have my own answers. I'm desperate for you. God, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for more of you. I don't want to walk around the pile of cinnamon anymore. I don't want to just be content with dust on my shoes for healing. I want my healing now. I want my answer now. I'm at the end of myself. I've suffered enough. I know the answer's not in me or anyone besides you. So today, I repent from fear, self-sufficiency, abdicating of my position, and everything else that you know that's between us. I choose to forgive those that have hurt me. And Father, for any way that my feelings cannot line up with that choice, your grace is big enough to cover. I pull on that grace right now for this moment because I don't want anything to come in between you and me and my breakthrough. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.